Welcome, everybody, to the Discover It podcast. This evening, we're going to talk about why we duplicate our past. Uh, and Jody is going to be talking about it tonight. Jody, you want to take over? Sounds good, Paul. Yeah, tonight we're going to, like you said, talk about why we duplicate our past. And uh, we, we talk a lot about our past program conditioning and our internal thoughts or our it that kind of has an influence on our day-to-day activities and things like that. So our past and our subconscious contains like an, an extremely large amount of memories. Um, all of the things from when we were born to the current day, and it just stores all that stuff. And we don't always really recognize like how much of that past is actually playing a part. So all this information kind of goes in, it kind of continuously duplicates itself in like, our day-to-day activities and things like that. So some of the ways that we can recognize how this past is kind of duplicating itself, because um, it'll kind of unwittingly sneak in there and do different, whether it's how we respond to things. Um, and there's some different tests that you can kind of do. Um, many of you have probably heard about the uh, ink blot test. So I thought that was pretty interesting because I always thought it was kind of random, you know, a lot of the different shapes and things. but there's, they usually have a bunch of different types of scenarios where when you see these, it's going to spark like some sort of interest or some sort of idea or something kind of based on what you recognize first on that inkblot test, and it'll kind of help bring out what kind of things you know your past is bringing forward today. And obviously, we don't have a bunch of inkblot tests. There's probably a bunch online you can find. Um, but it's not so much like the ink itself or the picture and how you determined what it is. It's really what came to mind first. And uh, Paul's done some different questioning things where you'll say a word, and you can do these for yourself. You, you think of a word or um, some sort of image or symbol or just being aware and think about what comes first when you see that or what comes first when you hear this word or things like that. And those will start to kind of bring out what is in your subconscious mind and how that's kind of playing a part in like today in your everyday activities. And the other thing is you can find some different questionnaires. Um, online there's some questionnaires you can find that'll kind of help you spark like where these, what are some of these past program conditioning and ideas that we have. And another way to recognize these is just being aware of any kind of triggers or reactions. Um, we're not really going to go too much into like trauma, but there's a lot of trauma that people have had when they were younger that definitely triggers a lot of emotion and things like that. And our mind will tend to block out a lot of these just to kind of help like keep us safe. So if we're not really paying attention, then we're, we can't really recognize those. So once we can start to look at some of these, we can start to group them together and we can kind of see how sometimes some of these past program conditioning and ideas will actually generalize into like grouping. So you might have like a certain feeling towards a certain type of car or a certain type of people. And there's a lot of things we'll group those in. And going back to some of these triggers, uh, if you could think of like a, a single memory, it could be a good memory, it could be a bad memory. And it's kind of weird when we think of a certain memory, how vivid we can really, how many details we can really get out of that memory. Like for me, like the first time I really learned how to ride a bike and I rode a bike on my own 
like it's kind of a strong, vivid imagination. Of, I, I remember the bike. I remember kind of how the road was. I remember kind of how the house was in the background, things like that. So imagine, if you will, that your brain is actually remembering all of these memories and has all those details of all those things all at once. So if you can think of that, you can think that just because we can't recall it um, in our conscious, um, it's going to start to play a part in, like, different things that we're feeling, um, different things that we're thinking about when we have some of these different reactions. Uh, so, like, for me with the bike thing, if I see a kid riding the bike for the first time or I see a bike that's similar to that, it might spark some of those same feelings that I had when I went through that instant in that memory of the past. So all these things kind of combine together. So, and they can show up um, by different things, like whether you know it or not, they could be like different triggers, or they can be subtle, they could be dramatic. Uh, they could be based on different smells. Uh, maybe if it's a certain type of perfume that your mom wore or a clone that your dad wore, it might spark certain memories, like maybe Sunday or going to church or things like that. Like, there's all these different things that can kind of go into that. Our internal thought is going to replay those memories. And we did do a podcast talking about recognizing it. So I'll go a little more in detail of how we can recognize uh, some of these different things. So what kind of wonder, like, well, why can't I remember everything? Why can't I think of why am I having these feelings? Why am I having these likes or dislikes? And sometimes our mind's just trying to protect us. So like in a traumatic event or something that wasn't very pleasant, um, our mind might think like, well, I don't really want to have that memory in my conscious mind, but it's still going to play a part and duplicate into our future um, if we don't recognize these. Sometimes these memories, uh, they might not be our own. It might be a, a story that someone told us or something we learned second nature. So it's really like a kind of a copy of a copy it's really not quite our own perception, but it might be somebody else's perception. Sometimes our perception is wrong. So I heard the story the other day, like if we were, at, if we were really young and we are at Disney World with, with our parents and suddenly we see like our favorite Disney character and we run over and we're so excited and your mom's like, yeah, go ahead. And you run over and you go to hug the Disney character and suddenly this huge rush of people come through. This, this people turn get in front of you and you see your Disney character and you're so excited and you want to, you know, share this with your parents and you turn around as all you see is all these people. And suddenly you have this like rush of emotion. You're like, Oh, I'm, my, my parents aren't here. And you feel kind of lost. Maybe you feel abandoned and you know, you start crying probably right away. All that, that time is going to seem like everything's going to be happening all at once. It's going to seem like a really long time because you've never really been exposed to being by yourself before, and then the people clear out and your mom's there, and you might have this reaction like, well, why did you leave me? Why did you abandon me? And your parents are going to be like, it was only like five seconds, you know, you weren't abandoned, it's no big deal. And so you're going to have that feeling of that abandonment. So that's going to kind of maybe stick with you in your, in your present time if, if you can't really recognize it. And the other thing is sometimes – if we feel like we were invalidated, like our perception of that instance was real. Like that was real to us. That time seemed like forever 
and things like that. So then when your parents come and say like, no, that's not really how it was. You're like, what do you mean? That's, that's exactly how I saw it to be. And that's your reality. So if, if they don't really kind of help you understand those feelings instead of saying you're wrong, then you, then you might have like some trust issues. Like maybe you're like, they don't, they don't understand me or they don't believe me or things like that. So there's a lot of these different things that kind of all play into how we respond to these things. So remember that our past doesn't necessarily have to control our future. We, we can kind of learn to recognize these things and it's never too late to change. And we got the three-step process that's, that's really good. And the, the first one is the confront. So first we have to confront the idea that one, all this subconscious does play into how we, how we respond to things. A lot of times people are in denial. They're like, no, there's, there's no way or that, that, that doesn't really affect me. I acknowledge it exists, but it doesn't affect me. So once we can kind of confront that, we're like, yes, I agree. This probably does affect me. And it probably does play a part into how I respond to people and things like that. Um, we can start to be more open to the next step, which is identifying. So identifying these different things, um, writing them all down, being able to recognize how they're playing a part. And sometimes we'll work backwards. Um, like we might not be able to really remember a certain situation, but based on the way we respond to triggers and based on the way that we like things or don't like things, um, we might be able to kind of work backwards and say, I probably got this negative attribute from somewhere, probably something like this or whatever. It doesn't really matter where it came from. But once we can identify those, then we can move on to the next step, which is being proactive. And the big part of the proactive step is being continuously aware of these things we've already identified so that as soon as they, as soon as they happen, they'll throw up this red flag where they'll be like, yep, that's one of those things I need to stop. I need to look at it. You raise, you know, drop the emotional side of it and think like, is this, does this make sense? Is this logical? Is this something I want to continue to hold on to? Um, or is this something I want to let go? And that proactive part, um, it's kind of a daily thing going through to repeat those responses over and over to kind of slowly start to repattern those types of, of things. And remember, our mind's going to tend to focus on the things that we focus on. So if, if we're always taking these negative things and we repeat the negative over and over again, it's going to continue to look for those negative things where if, you're always, if you always think people treat you unfairly, everywhere you go, you think, people are treating you unfairly. Like you might think that the person at the cash register intentionally gave you the wrong change. Uh, you might think, you know, this person intentionally cut you off because, you know, things like that. Like, oh, they didn't like the way your car was, things like that. There's all kinds of things our brain can like continuously go through in these things. So when we recognize and we can focus on the more positive things and kind of take a non-emotional awareness side of things, um, we'll be able to respond uh, to these different things a lot better. And some things we can do to help with that is we kind of like in the morning, we can kind of start out by a little bit in some of these the reticulating activating system where we can decide and start to kind of prime our brain to look at different things like getting up in the morning. Like if you get up in the morning, you, the first thing you say when you wake up is like, oh, I don't want to go to work. I hate work. Um, you're probably not going to enjoy your day at work because <laughs> you're going to be looking for those things. But if you're like, hey, and you 
start with like a gratitude list and you go on and you start to look at the positive side of things, you'll have a, you'll recognize the positive things in a positive way. Um, and, you know, sometimes another way we can see some of these subconscious thoughts is like uh, random thoughts. Like you're just like, man, you just have a random thought. It could be like accidentally. And typically these random thoughts from our subconscious creep in um, when we're kind of like zoned out. Like if you're watching TV, you're not really paying attention or um, trying to fall asleep and all these random thoughts are coming into your head. Um, those those are one of the times we'll start to have some of those random thoughts. Uh, the other way is we can kind of intentionally zone out uh, where you're putting your mind in that kind of letting your conscious mind kind of be quiet for a little bit and kind of recognize our subconscious. And that's like through like meditation. I like intentionally zoning out better. Um, but it's, it's kind of a intentionally zoning out with a, an awareness side. Um, and it doesn't have to be any, fancy stuff. There's tons of videos out there you could watch to kind of learn how to do some of these. Um, but really just, you know, sitting quiet, like, but think of it like when you're laying in bed at night is, and thinking about all these random thoughts that you're just kind of being aware of those. And a lot of these will kind of help us to recognize a bunch of these past thoughts. And we can also, once we're aware of them, we can start to link them to how those are duplicating in our, in our present day. Um, we can look at a lot of our different habits and be like, hmm, I wonder where I got that habit from. And then maybe we can, you know, relax and try to think of different, different things that were similar to that and start to recognize and identify these different past um, conditions that we're duplicating in our, in our current day life. So thanks, Paul. Very good, very good, Jody. Um, we're going to come back to you before we get off tonight, but uh, let's go to Ray. Ray, um, how has your internal thoughts, your it, affect your present time, and how will it affect your future by this past program conditioning? Uh, it, being that it's... Uh, programmed by our past conditioning my it in the past has did a number on me as far as keeping me in the condition that I was in um, one of the things I've always noticed is so interesting is how creative it can get you know even when you think that you're moving away from a issue or a problem that you're struggling with it has such a way of bringing you back into it without you knowing it and without you seeing it. It, it has a way of masking the confusion and the delusion and the misinformation. Uh, it has worked on me in the past by using all sorts of tactics to basically keep me in the mindset that I was programmed by childhood conditioning to be in. And, you know, it's always interested me how creative it can be. And then if we're not careful, if we're not working with somebody who's patient and who is very skilled at seeing how it will maneuver in our lives and trick us into thinking uh, from a state of delusion, 
Um, we all know addictions can help with that and keep us in those delusions. Um, but even without a mind-altering substance, it's just how it works to um, misdirect us from the issue that's at the source of our, you know, our struggles. It can uh, you know, take us from, you know, obviously looking at the source of our issues is not uh, our natural way of thinking and doing things. That takes a lot of introspection and things like that. It's just hard to do on your own. But um, it has used and many of these tricks and tactics we've talked about in prior podcast episodes in more detail, and there's many, many of them, but that's what I've experienced is that if we're not careful, if we're not working with somebody diligently to get to the bottom of these things, then it's very good at keeping us in the dark about what we're really struggling with. And it's all about cause and effect when we look to get ourselves out of that predicament that we've been in for so many years due to our past pre-programmed conditioning that we have to get to the bottom of those things and it prevents us from doing that, you know, by using all these different methods. Now, currently in my life, what I'm, what I learned is that it doesn't really quit that fight, you know, no matter how far you get along that path of growth and development, it doesn't just sit back and say, oh, well, you know what? I give up because it doesn't give up. You know, it doesn't have that flaw that we as humans have. It's consistent. And though it may back off sometimes, rest assured that it'll be back. And it's just like what I'm learning with my addiction to uh, smoking, uh, smoking weed is that if I'm not careful to uh, be ever diligent and mindful and aware of its attempts to try to pull me back into that, that uh, way of life and into that habit, just due to it, it was a coping mechanism for so long. But one of the biggest issues I've had in the past was confronting, identifying the problem of being addicted. I didn't want to, consider myself an addict. Uh, at the worst, I, I saw myself as having a bad habit, and I kicked the habit, and then, I, then I'm done. It's over. But it's not. It wants you to think that. Uh, because one way that it's always led me back into smoking is feeling like, oh, I've kicked the habit. Now, at the end of the day, if I choose to smoke every once in a while, I mean, I have free will. I can do what I choose to do. You know, I have power. I'm in, I'm in control. Not Not admitting to the weakness that I had, and the disposition I have towards addictions and compulsive behaviors, if I'm not humble, if I don't humble myself and recognize that uh, that uh, challenge, then I, I let my guard down. So I know that how it affects me now and how it will affect me in the future, it's just, it's just a spar that we do with it. But we've got to recognize that it's there. And so many people, even if they've come into contact with this concept, they don't want to they don't want to think about it for too long it, it's all too comfortable to just slide back into our blissful ignorance in a sense um, 
and we all want to feel in control and in power of our own lives, you know. That's understandable. But it's just interesting how we only are in true power and in control of our lives to the extent that we understand that there's things that are going to try to steal us away from that. We have to be, we have to recognize that. We have to confront that on a daily basis. We have to be proactive. We can't just let go of the wheel and just go with the flow. And so it's something that I've accepted that, and it's not the end of the world. It's not doomsday. It's just the reality that we have to face and be honest with ourselves about so that we can, over time, we can continue to win the battles and ultimately win the war. It doesn't make it go away. Making the right choices today doesn't make it uh, give up on the fight tomorrow. But understanding under, understanding that and um, being willing to fight for yourself, fight for your worth and what you deserve, it puts you just 10 steps ahead. You know, and that, that doesn't mean that you'll never fail. But honestly, if you fail two times out of 10, you're, you're constantly moving forward, and I think that's the key in life is to keep progressing forward, to keep growing, not to win every fight. And when we have that mindset, then when we lose, we say, well, then what's the use in fighting? And we miss that whole point. That once we submit to that, which is just yet another one, it's tactics, then we lose every fight because we give up our will to fight any longer. And so that's my experience with it. And my relationship moving forward. It's like I, you know, in a way I kind of welcome it to the fight, you know, let's go. I don't expect him to leave, but uh, <clears throat> he ought not expect me to lay down and to, to give up either. We're going to go toe to toe as long as we have to, as many times as we have to. And uh, if I lose once, I'm coming back stronger the next time. And over time, I'm going to win the majority of the fights, and I'm going to keep growing and keep pushing forward. And especially with somebody like Paul in my corner, it makes it that much, you know, increases my odds that much more because it's so easy to get lost in a, in a little bubble when you don't, you don't open up to someone else potentially sharing their perspective with you and looking at your situation from the outside looking in and directing your attention to things that you obviously, because of it, will not feel comfortable looking at. That's just the way it goes. We don't, this is not a comfortable process. I feel like sometimes working with Paul, and I always compare it to going to the gym because it's just a simple example. It's not comfortable. You, it's comfortable to sit at your house and relax and watch Netflix with the heat on when it's cold outside or the AC while it's hot outside kick your feet up and do nothing that's that's comfortable but to confront the things that are keeping you enslaved to mentalities that are uh instilled in you from your pre-programmed conditioning it's just not comfortable it's not always fun but when you embrace that it it, it you are able to enjoy an experience that's far deeper and far more rich than the simple uh comforts that you may get from vegging out and numbing yourself and giving the power over to it to just run your life whatever way it sees fit. So I'm here to say that this fight is worth it. Uh, it's rewarding. And it's just one of those things that you got to have faith in the process 
until you can get to this point um, to where you can see some of the, the payoff for that, for putting up that fight for so long. And uh, if anybody in the world is worth the, uh, the trust and to have faith in the process and that he, you know, he's there with you in that process is Paul. So I'm just lucky to have met Paul and to still be, uh, working with Paul to this day. Thank you very much, Ray. Uh, Ray's been with us for eight years. I'm actually in March, it'll be nine years. And many, many, uh, times, uh, we got calls and, Ray just stuck in there and persevered and just went over the obstacles, just like he said. I mean, it's a matter of uh, working through them, understanding the three-step process of identifying what you're going through and then confront the uh, particular situation and choose to do the opposite, which is stage three, becoming proactive. But uh, many, many times, myself, Ray, Jody, uh, Debbie, we all have to uh, use the three-step program to really realize that uh, it's not going to leave us alone. It will be there. You've just got to identify when it's coming to try to affect you to use the three-step process and uh, work through it. Ray, do you mind if I say something about your niece that you introduced me to about two weeks ago? Absolutely not. Ray introduced me to his niece. She's 14 years old about two weeks ago. And I had the opportunity to talk to her for about an hour, hour and a half. And uh, I introduced it to her. And uh, today I was talking to her for about 20, 30 minutes. And uh, come to find out she had a situation in her uh life today that uh a challenge and i said nay i says uh you know you can use the three-step program to combat that in the future anytime you have any problems like that uh so i taught her the one the three-step program of identifying confronting becoming proactive by the time i got off the phone she was teaching it to me so i have to uh compliment ray and, and and his niece, she is really, to be 14 years old, she has really come a long ways in the past two or three weeks. Thank you very much, Ray. And tell her thank you. Thank her. Absolutely. Thank you, Paul. You're more than welcome. Uh, Debbie, are you on the line? I'm here. Let's uh, go and you tell us how it in the past is affecting you today. Well, I, I completely agree with Ray that um, if that using the three-step process is like um, building a muscle and going to the gym, you know. And for me, one of the things that I find is um, that I I deal with it constantly. Um, I thought I was going to get fixed and I'd all be over, you know. But um, but I actually have found that. I continually have to fight, as Ray would say, you know, just to just to keep working that muscle up. But I do notice that 
um, that the more I confront things and the more I look at things, the the easier it becomes. You know, uh, I, I can't think of a specific example today, but um, but I do know that several times it comes up, uh, and I just have to go through through the process to keep identifying what's going on and. I think now more than ever, I look at, okay, I'm snapping, but why am I doing that? You know, what am, what am I feeling? What am I, you know, what am I looking at? What, what's there that has me, go, you know, getting emotional about things? You know, and sometimes it's I don't feel like I'm being heard or sometimes it's, you know, I'm, I'm angry at myself because, you know, I didn't do something the way I thought I was going to do it. And, and so just really searching down there and, and, and getting to the bottom of what is going on and then realizing that I can choose a different path, you know, has made a tremendous difference for me over the last several months. Thank you, Debbie. We really appreciate it. Yeah. I, always like, I always like to tell I've known Debbie for about going on seven years now. We were discussing that last night. And the time flies. I mean, it really flies. And uh, for five years, uh, the past five years that uh, we've been communicating, up until about six or seven months ago, uh, it used a two-letter word to prevent Debbie from uh, really getting to know the uh, the it method, and uh, those two. You want to tell us about the, those two-letter words that uh, prevented you from discovering it sooner? Well, I, the the word that um, every time you said discover it, I always thought you were talking about your id, which is you know you, the child inside you, and I kept thinking I don't want to talk about my childhood and you know, and deal back into all that, even though now you do end up getting into some of those stories and, and some of those feelings because, you know, those feelings have followed you and and been a part of you for so many years that you don't even realize when um, you feel like somebody's talking down to you. Well, why is that? Why do you feel that way? You know, or somebody's criticizing you. Why do you feel criticized or judged or, you know, there's so many places that that does come into play, but I never wanted to talk to you about it because I didn't really want to delve into my childhood, you know. I feel like that was in my past, it's over, it's done, only up for good things in my life, and, uh, but interestingly enough, the good things um, weren't coming the way I thought they would. You know, I always seem to get stopped, and uh, and with Paul's help, you know, I've gotten to the bottom of that, and that's been pretty amazing. Thank you, Debbie. Really appreciate your input. Would anybody else uh, like to ask Jody or myself or Ray uh, anything before we uh, get off this evening? Well, really appreciate the participation. Uh, Jody, let me ask you one one thing before we get off tonight. Uh, what's your 
number one concept over the past couple of years that you've been with us that you've uh, overcome that was really a challenge for you? Uh, the number one concept, I think a lot of it had to deal with um, just recognizing. I think the biggest aha moment I had is when I started to look at um, all my likes and dislikes, all my hobbies, all my, um, I guess, what, what we'd say is like who you think you are. Start to look at all those things. You start to look at your behaviors. You start to look at, you know, all this stuff put together. And then you start to really analyze and really look at where these things come from. You start to recognize that, hmm, I really decided to like these things because of, like we talked about, that past. That past program conditioning has just reduplicated itself. Um, all the things that you're exposed to tends to have an influence, um, whether it's like that one instance. It, it could be maybe not that big a deal to most people, but for some reason you had an emotional attachment to that instance and you grasped onto that, um, whether it's a color or a thought or a feeling or smell and you continue to duplicate that and carry that forward um, so once I kind of got that understanding I continued to look at you know my day-to-day -day activities and my life and evaluate all those different things to recognize that like where those really came from and whether they were benefiting me or not um, is this something that is good because um, not all those not all the past program conditioning not all those things that you were taught are bad things. Some of those are really good things. So really just to analyze it from a, a non-emotional standpoint, from a real logical type of point of view, kind of like you would if somebody else told you uh, something about them. You're like, hey, do you think this is good? Um, what do you, it, well, how do you feel about this? Um, and another interesting thing about that is sometimes we'll look at other people um, – in different traits and you'll recognize um, it'll be kind of easy because you don't really have any emotional attachments to the way they feel about their past. So you kind of, you're non-biased. So you'll see something in someone else and you would be like, Oh, it makes perfect sense. You got that from here and you'll look back and then you'll be like, Hmm, wait a minute. I have a very similar trait and you really have to, you kind of have a second point of view from yourself looking at yourself and you start to recognize where those things come from. And then you can, you can do a couple things. You could just deny it and be like, ah, oh, that's not true. And go back to your past program conditioning and let your it do that, which it, it's going to try to do because of that cognitive dissonance we talked about. So you really got to take a non-emotional critical view on the things that we, that you do. And, and looking at it that way, I was able to, like Paul says, be proactive. I can start to rule out some of those things and decide whether I want to make that choice and continue to do that thing or make another choice and start to be aware of that more often and start to kind of fade that and rule those types of thoughts, feelings, and actions out. Thank you, Jody. appreciate that uh, presentation tonight and that uh, input that, you know, you just reflected. Um, I'd like to welcome... You know, thank everybody for uh, being on call tonight, and that Ray and Debbie, great input. So next week, next Thursday night at 730, 
We look forward to everybody inviting their friends and families. And uh, we'll see you on call next Thursday night at 7.30. Call 515-604-9530. Use the access code 655-145. Y'all have a nice week, and we'll see you next week. Bye.